0: Second Kings chapter nine. <clears throat> so today we're going to talk about well, he's has the story anyway. This guy named Jehu, Jehu, however you say his name. Is everybody here this morning, Amen. man, y'all are quiet. Goodness gracious! After that song, y'all y'all can sit there and be that quiet. About to vibrate off the stage up here. Second Kings chapter nine verse one. we're going to talk about Jehu this morning and how uh, how he was called to be the king. uh Jehu was uh, one of the commanders in the army of Israel and um, you know we're not giving us just a huge amount of information about this guy to start with and so uh, if I've missed something, in some of the studying, man, y'all, y'all feel free to fill me in later on. But best I can tell, Jay Hughes just kind of hanging out with uh, some of the other guys that he is in the in the army with, and uh, they're just there doing army things, you know, nothing special going on. And uh, there's an interruption that takes place, and that's where we're going to spend most of our time focusing this morning. But we start in verse 1 there. It says, And Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Get yourself ready. Take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth-Gilead. Now when you arrive at that place, look there for Jehu the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him rise up from among his associates and take him to an inner room. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and do not delay. Now how many of y'all would be weirded out if something like that happened to you? Okay, and that's what's about to take place, man. This guy's going to come rolling up into where Jehu is. He's going to dump this oil on his head. He's going to say the things he has to say, and boom, he's out. Now, if it were me, I would have a few questions, right? But you don't see a lot of time for questions here. In fact, the instruction from, from Elisha was just that. Dump the oil, make the pronouncement, and leave. Don't wait around for a Q&A time. Okay? So, verse 4 says, So the young man, the servant of the prophet, went to Ramoth Gilead, being obedient. When he arrived, there were the captains of the army sitting, and he said, I have a message for you, commander. Jehu said, For which one of us? And he said, For you, commander. Then he arose and went into the house, and he poured the oil on his head and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord over Israel. You shall strike down the house of Ahab your master, that I may avenge the blood of my servants, the prophets, and the blood of all the servants of the Lord at the hand of Jezebel. For the whole house of Ahab shall perish And I will cut off from Ahab all the males in Israel, both bond and free. So I will make the house of Ahab like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah. The dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and fled. Now let's just... Digest some of this for a moment. Jehu is in the military. We don't really see anything in scripture that i that I could see anyway where he is trying to get to this place of being king he's not He's not actively preparing for that day. He's just going about doing his thing, but in an instant. You know, to say that he wasn't preparing does not mean God wasn't preparing him. Okay, so those are two very distinct things. Let's just get that out there because it's very important to what we're going to talk about today. But in an instant, he is, by God, anointed to be king. And I want you to make this very clear. Maybe you need to underline it in your passage there. The the young man, the prophet, comes to him and he says says the Lord God of Israel. He, he's not saying, I'm saying this. He said, God is saying this. Do you hear me today, church? He says, I have anointed you, meaning God is saying that. I have anointed you king over the people of the Lord, over Israel. See, you see, God is the one that that appoints someone and anoints someone for a certain duty. It's not you. Jehu wasn't involved in this decision. The guys he was serving with were definitely not involved. They weren't even involved in the anointing part of it. Elisha wasn't involved other than to convey the message that God had given This young man, the prophet that went to actually dump the oil on his head, was not involved other than to be obedient and do what he was instructed to do. He did not have the authority. Do you hear me? God is the one that said, I have anointed you. I have called you. I have prepared you. I have put you in the right place at the right time. And I'm here to tell you today, church, that God is doing the same thing on a regular basis for each and every one of us if we will just listen. How often have we been waiting for the right opportunity to use the gifts that God has given us or even to receive them for that matter. We're just waiting for that right opportunity, the right time. And and for, for Jehu, the anointing came at a time appointed by God. Not at a time that He had set aside. Not at a time that fit His schedule just right. You hear me today, church? You see, it has nothing to do with what you want and what you think is right. What matters is when God says, now is the time. And we've got to be ready to receive what He is putting on us. It was God that made Jehu king. Let's go on and read in verse 11. There's something else that I think is kind of humorous here. (laughs) Verse 11, he says, Then Jehu came out to the servants of his master. And one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said to them, you know, that man, his babble. You know how those guys are. Y'all don't need to hear all the details of that. And they said, a lie. Liar. Y'all ever said that to somebody? Liar. That just means, I know, I know there's more to it than what you're saying. You're trying to hide something. He said, a lie. Tell us now. So he said, all right, all right, okay. Thus and thus he spoke to me saying, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. That's a lot. Man, that's a lot to dump on somebody all at one time, ain't it? Jehu, listen, y'all. There's several things I want to, there's so many important things right here in these two verses. There's so much right here. I don't know if I can keep it straight. Just bear with me. Verse 13, it says, Then each man hastened to take his garment quickly. That's what that means. Took his garment and put it under him on the top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Jehu is king. Now, why, why did Jehu not want to tell them? I've got a bunch of reasons. First of all, Has God ever been trying to do a work in you and you've just dismissed the Word of the Lord and said, I didn't hear it right? I don't think that's exactly what's going on here, but I think there's a component of it. He's still trying to figure this out. You see, the the difference in just you might have heard something is Jehu's got oil pouring all over his head, right? This is a visual sign that the thing he just heard was not imagined or made up. Okay? And and that right there, y'all, that is very important. Because we will often... Uh, just dismiss the work of God in our life as being something else. Maybe we misunderstood. And all along, if we are willing to open up our heart and hear what the Holy Spirit is saying, there are obvious visual signs that God has done something in our life if we will just take the moment to give Him the credit. Here's another reason. Uh, What did those guys say before he told them anything? Y'all, man, this one is devastating right here. It can be definitely devastating within our own little circles. They said, what'd that madman come to you and say? Now, this don't seem like much on the surface, but I want y'all to understand something. Prophets looked and dressed a certain way in that day. They knew this guy and what he was. But yet they referred to a man of God, the one delivering a message, as a madman. Now, so he says, based on their assertion uh, that this guy's a madman, he said, oh, you know that kind of guy, you know the kind of things they say, just babble. You ever think of the things of God as crazy? Now listen, I know the default answer there, but uh, I want you to really dig in today. I want you to think back. Has there been a time in your life when you, you've kind of looked at the things of God going on and said, man, that's just kind of crazy. You know, all oh, them people, you know how they are. But then somebody else says something. Uh, then you're willing to believe. You see, that's what the, sh- the shift we see here. At first, Jehu was reluctant to even tell them what the guy had said. But then they pressed him a little bit and he said, Okay, fine, I'm going to tell you. They, he just came and anointed me king over Israel. God said, I'm anointing you king over Israel. And they immediately respond, y'all. You hear me? You hear me, church? Do you hear me today? Because all it took was a guy willing to speak the truth of the Word of God. And those that were teetering on the fence over here, look, they had respect for the things of God, or they wouldn't have so quickly humbled themselves before Him believing what He said. But they had that little moment of doubt and all the flesh and all the madman, he's crazy, come running in here, look at this guy, isn't that funny? But then they hear the message and they they catch on to the importance of what was delivered and they take off their coats and throw them on the floor so that he can walk on them. And they, they begin to sing and praise, Jehu is king, Jehu is king. That's some people right there that hear the Word of God and believe it so great to start with, but when they hear it, they believe it. So have you ever been hesitant to kind of share with someone what God's doing in your life because of the things they've said beforehand? I guarantee you I have. I've got some Baptist friends that, man, I just... I don't want to tell them. Cause I know what I'm gonna, I know what I'm gonna deal with. Oh, I, and then I, I'm tempted to say something like what Jehu said. Oh, well, you know the, you know the kind of things that go on. I, I don't need to go into it. Had, had God give me direction, give me, give me, uh, you might say in a sense prophecy, guidance, direction, telling me where I need to be doing, what going and doing, but. There's no evidence yet of what he's telling me about, right, other than I know he told me. And you share that with somebody, and then all they got is questions. Well, how's this going to work? How's that going to work? I don't know, man. I just know what God told me. Jehu didn't know nothing. He didn't know anything about about how he was going to get everybody else to fall in line under him as king. He just knows God has anointed me to be king. And here's the work He set me to do. And, and man, if you go on and read, you'll see He immediately digs in and goes and does what God has told Him to do as King. So on one hand, uh, God's doing the work. We shouldn't be ashamed of the good thing God wants to do in us. On the other hand, uh, on which side of this conversation you're on, uh, we need to watch our communication. Ensure that we're not saying words that that, uh, would tear someone else's faith down. Because we can do that, y'all. You know, Christians are some of the the most predatorial type of people you'll ever see. They will eat their own, man. We've got to watch out that we are not not falling into this... this, Man, what's the right word? Falling into this lull, this this apathetic state where where we we know what our relationship with God is, and if it's good enough for me, that ought to be enough for everybody else too. If it's good enough for me, it ought to be good enough for you. And so then when somebody comes and they say, oh man... God did this in our life. Man, we had great service. God was moving. And and you say something like, well, yeah, I know. I know how y'all's denomination is. We can say some terrible things sometimes, y'all. Are we being negative and pessimistic instead of actually walking in faith and believing that we serve a God that can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think? You see, our God is a God that can create something out of absolutely nothing. There's a Latin term called ex nihilo, and it basically means out of nothing. And that is the kind of God we serve, y'all. And so, when we read a passage like Romans 4 and 17 at the end there, it says, He calls those things which do not exist as though they did. I just I want that to just kind of rest on you for a moment. This particular passage, Romans 4 and 17, is referring back to Abraham. And he tells Abraham, he says, oh, I love the wording. He says, I have made you a father of many nations. Have. Y'all, this is very critical to your understanding of the character of God. God, when He speaks, it's done. When He thinks it, it's Done. It, it's not a matter of we're going to have to get there somehow or some way. We'll figure it out along the way. No, he's told Abraham even though you don't have a child yet. I have made you a father of many nations. You don't have any idea how you're going to get there and how it's going to take place, but I have made you a father of many nations. I'm making something where there is nothing. I'm bringing life where there is nothing but death. Maybe that's one of the things that's holding us back. Maybe God's wanting to do something. And you're looking at your own life. And and you know, Jehu could have done this. Jehu could have looked up and said, Well, I hear what you're saying. But I'm not a king, I'm not in the lineage of kings. I don't have royal blood in me. I'm just a commander in the army. God said, I'm anointing you king over Israel. How can He do that? Because He is the ultimate authority. He decides He wants somebody to be king, you're king. He decides He wants you to be healed, you're healed. He decides he wants to save someone that is completely anti-God and in rebellion to God. Guess what? He can save them. If He wants to deliver you from an addiction, all He's got to do is speak the words and, and that addiction is gone because He is the God that makes something out of absolutely nothing. You see, He doesn't have to examine you and say, I think I can take that and use it and grow it and multiply it. No, He just says, I want you to be this and that. And you are. So Jehu could have looked at it and examined it and said all of those things. But I'm going to tell you all something that is abundantly clear to me through this passage is that Jehu knew God and trusted Him. Because he walked out of there proclaiming, God has anointed me to be king. Now a whole lot of us would have been wiping the oil off of our head and said, well, man, I just don't know. I don't know. I know what he said, but I don't know. Since when did it matter what you knew? I know that seems like a silly question, but I want you to really think about that for a minute. When was the last time that God needed or wanted to consult with you about anything? I mean, really. He's never one time asked if I was okay with it. Not even on something I was praying about. I went to Him with it. Why didn't He ask me? He don't care what I think. That's why. He don't need my little infinitesimal... Infant, infant, how do you say that word? That, he don't need my brain. <laughs> he don't need my intellect. He doesn't need my weaknesses and flaws to, to somehow approve or okay what His plan and agenda is. He doesn't need to involve me in it. Otherwise, I wouldn't need Him. And I need Him greatly. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're saying, well, I hear this voice. I hear what God is saying. But I just can't figure out how that could be. It might be time for you to just listen to what God is saying and take Him at His Word. Maybe during all this, you've rep- somehow along the way replaced trust and faith with doubt and fear. Maybe you've forgotten along the way that we serve a God that can call something into being. He can just say, I want it to be this way, and it is. You see, man, this is the hard thing when people start praying because people structure prayers very often around what they can understand. They say, well, I, I can look and I can see the confines of this particular situation, so I'm going to structure my prayer to line up with those confines. We do it all the time. How many times have you prayed that somebody would be healed and, and, and you, you weenie out at the end of it and you say, well, God, just give the doctors the right wisdom and knowledge to know what to do. Guilty, man. We, we do it. Why do we do that? Because we have examined it and we say, this is one of them situations where if I step too far out on that limb, it might get cut off behind me and I don't want to look like a fool. We've replaced trust and faith in who God is with doubt and fear. God does not honor those kind of prayers.